Welcome to the Media Cat Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Mike Pigger, editor at the magazine. Uh, and today I'd like to welcome a returning guest to the pod, uh, Rani Patel. Uh, Rani is MD and founder at Calling, uh, Adweek Europe Futures Female Winner 2021, and Campaign Top 10 Trailblazer 2021. Welcome, Rani. Hi. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Uh, I say a returning guest to the pod. I think you might be our first returning guest, actually. I'm not sure. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you did, I don't know if it's like an award we give you or something. We'll send you a badge. Maybe uh, I'll add that to my bio, returning guest to Media Cat Podcast. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I should maybe I should that's a thing actually. I should probably tap up some of the some of the old guests, the uh the one I said the old guest. It's only from last year. We only started this last year, so but yeah, I, I things are a little bit different from the last time we talked. You're now founder and MD at Calling. I was wondering if you could tell us what calling is. Um, what is it? Why did you start it? How did it come to be? Yeah. Yeah, so Callin is a brand new agency, I guess, new type of creative company that Josh, my co-founder, Josh Tensor, launched in January this year. So we're only six, seven months old. So we're like newborn baby. But what is Callin exactly? So we, like I said, we're a new type of creative company, but we kind of own this space of being an ad agency. And what we offer is advertising with a higher Callin because we believe that Advertising, as we've known historically, has been something more transactional. And in the world that we live in, um, we're creating an agency that's fit for purpose to serve that world and those communities and those consumers. So the work that we create as advertising sits in the intercept between culture, community and purpose. And that's just really from this this insight that 83% of consumers will only want to kind of interact with brands that stand for something more than profitability. And we see that number just increasing as time goes by, because I guess we had such a pivotal moment that highlighted that with COVID and Black Lives Matter, where people started to reflect on their why, their purpose, why did they exist? And as um, a response to that, they were being more discerning about the brands that they interact with, they consume the cultures and the people that they partake and spend time with because they wanted those things to be extensions of their why and why they exist. So yeah, that's Call In and we are based in Bethnal Green and uh, we're about 10 people now. Wow, very nice. Um, I actually did one of those surveys once of where you're supposed to live in London, like you put in all your, I don't know, things you're into or whatever and it told me Bethnal Green, strangely enough, like (laughs) I've never lived there but yeah, I don't know how that came about. Um, you ten people already. I mean, didn't you? You only started what, like a few months ago? Or? Yeah, in January fourth, we officially opened our doors, and we were really fortunate to open our doors with three new clients. So our founding client was Dot Martins. Um, so we're the lead global creative agency for them, and we had two other um, brands: the so Self Space, which is a walking therapy clinic on the high street in a circle, a dating app a global dating app and um we recently announced our fourth client which is interflora so that is the original mail by order florist 100 years old and we are working on their whole brand platform and repositioning so yeah um i think josh and i just have been on a journey in terms of like who we are our purpose in terms of the work that we do and we wanted to create advertising with a higher calling and at the heart of that is this idea of truth really unearthing truth and that kind of flows into all parts of the business so who we are as leaders we believe in radical honesty and how we create as a team 
So we ask team members to come every day and be their most authentic selves and identify with the work and the problem in the most truthful way. So for us, Josh and I feel that we found our calling quite literally and we feel really grateful to be every day like authentically living up to our own personal and collective truth. I ah, see. So you did you did my segue work for me there because uh, <laughs> it's very good. So um, yeah, you know, pass you the baton, you pick it up, run with it. It's great. <laughs> Simply because uh, the theme at the magazine for July uh, we have is truth and lies. Um, so we're, we're obviously coming to the end of the month now and we'll be moving on to August's theme soon. But for now, we are talking about uh, truth and lies. And um, the way that came about was, I think, was uh, according to the World Economic Forum, we're lying more these days. Um, so we wanted to explore our relationship with the truth and I guess with lies as well. I guess in terms of your work and career, what what springs to mind when I talk about truth and lies? We, we talked about this the other week when we caught up, but does, I guess the theme must resonate with you, right? Because you've started, a, started a, a company that is essentially trying to, advertising with a higher calling, you're trying to get to some truth. I and mean, is that fair to say? A hundred percent. And like I said, like calling is a... Uh, representation of I guess where Josh and I have been on our journey and I think we've been really fortunate to have been both of us had great opportunities in our time in the industry Josh has been in the industry I think like just over like over 20 years I've been in the industry 15 16 years super proud of like the journey we've been on but it hasn't always um felt as truthful for us um at times and I think this kind of is a byproduct of what the industry has been to date. So like if we look at traditional advertising, it was historically about creating realities for consumers to be part of versus them already being in it. This idea of like persuading, you know, people to want to have, for example, if we look at even like beauty and hair, like, you know, have lovely, long, luscious hair or and feel beautiful you know because you've accessed a product that allows you to do that or feel like a really masculine man driving this big engine car and this is really based on assumptions that the world that we currently live in isn't satisfying and it could be better and there's a need for a transaction to access that that better thing and it's really playing into a human and social need to feel seen and belong despite whatever your individual true authentic self is. And that ultimately, and this is this is a much bigger conversation beyond advertising that Josh and I are constantly having with the team and with our clients and partners. But like we live in a society that requires us constantly to adapt, which takes us further and further away from our most authentic selves, which is our truth. And I, I think we have found that really fascinating, hence why we're always trying to pull things back to what is your truth? What is the truth of the communities that we're trying to serve and the truth of the brands that we're trying to also um, serve? I mean, that must be quite a tricky one to balance, right? Because surely it's kind of inherently built into capitalism pretty much, right? Like the, the selling things that, you know, creating the desire or whatever, the, the Ada model. I remember that from, from back in the day. But um, yeah, so attention, interest, desire, action. I don't know if that yeah. still, still, still applies. 
But um, when you were talking, it made me think of, um, I never actually finished the series, but but Mad Men, um, the whole Don Draper yeah. thing, because yeah. he, he would always be trying to talk about some version of a truth or a desire that people had. And it seemed like no one else in the room got it. And then that was his thing to come in and tell everybody why they were wrong. I, I guess, is that the sort of thing that you're the sort of the Don Draper's way of doing things? Is that what you're trying to move away from? Because um, you mentioned community a few times as well. Yeah, I mean... Mad Men is an incredible series, and I have love for it. But it is also a dramatization of what advertising has been. But there's a lot of principles mm. in that, and like, I think we are looking at society as a whole, and I think society we are socialized to be attached to lots of ideas, and lots of those ideas are based on what success looks like, and what success looks like is always being good better the best so we see this in advertising right and this is this is just the the truth of what advertising has been is that you see the best the number one selling the highest performing and really because it's truth and lies can sometimes be seen as a very black and white thing and I think it's um easy to people can see it as good and bad so to be truthful means it must be good and to um, to lie, it must be bad. But I think life and lived experiences is very nuanced. And for us, it's about, okay, if we remove ourselves from those attachments and just stay true, sometimes it's not about saying, sometimes you might not be the highest performing product, but what you offer is something else and that's your truth and that's the beauty and that's why you're prime to be serving a community because depending on who these communities are they have different needs and different wants but to your point about capitalism where the western world is obviously led by that and it's led on like these big markers of success like i've said um and that's always about being the best and highest performing and what happens is we we miss out on fulfilling some needs and then we overlook a number of other communities I hope that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, it does, and it it just made me think a little bit of like um, uh, mid twenty twenty when um, suddenly all the brands were, you know, everyone's kind of g- clubbing together with the pandemic and tr- sort of trying to create things that sort of help people, and they were looking to find different ways to support each other. Yeah. And everyone said it was really lovely, etc. And some brands have kind of kept that going since, and some have sort of abandoned it a bit um, and, and gone back to perhaps the old method of you know be the best, be number one. But I find that interesting, the sort of is the helping versus it's the kind of, um, yeah, working together or working for what, for yourself, right? For like one company or I don't know where I'm getting at. I'll have to formulate my thoughts a bit better. But yeah, it's, I don't know that there is something there about, about coming together or, or looking to help people, right? Yeah. Some benevolent aims, maybe. Yeah. And we, and we care a lot about that we base a lot of um the way that we operate culturally around like communitarian cultures and we work as a community um when it comes to developing the creative everyone obviously has titles which anchors them around a specialism a thing grounds us but it doesn't mean that your title limits you from what you can and can't do and what when we talk about truth at calling anyway we're saying that there's you know there's one story to that can be told but from a hundred viewpoints that's why we invite everyone in the business to come in and have a point of view on it and self-identify with it 
um, we look at taking the truth for us is taking the raw materials and then seeing, you know, where what else can come from that and how that can be authentic to a number of people. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, one of the things I wanted to to move on to a little bit was um, Trans Pride took place in London recently. Uh, there was a huge turnout. And I say that because I was there and I was kind of blown away. I didn't expect it to be as big as it was. And even though it is, well, you know, obviously not as big as normal Pride, it still kind of blew me away. And it felt more like a protest as well, whereas maybe normal Pride feels a bit more like a, a bit more sort of corporate sponsored. Mm-hmm. And you did a piece of work, No Pride Without Trans Pride, I, I saw that saw on LinkedIn. How long was that in the planning and what was the sort of response to that like? That yeah. feels like a, you guys trying to live some kind of truth with that piece? Yeah, always. <laughs> <laughs> in the planning, I think it was maybe eight weeks. And I guess the the reason behind it was that we did want to get back to the truth of why Pride exists which is, you know, taking it back to the march. Um, the first ever Pride protest was led by a black trans woman in the US in 1969, for those who don't know. It's steeped in um, human rights. And I guess what we did there was we wanted to go back to and highlight a real, real truth, which is that if you start to erase um, trans rights, then it's just... It's a it's a trickle down effect to all other human rights. So the posters are screen printed on gender recognition acts, and it's highlighting like this is the truth of what's happening in society. That this community are being pushed further into the margins, and you know, at risk of being eradicated. And the truth that the further truth in that, if that's even a point, if that even makes grammatical sense, is that. Um, it might look from the outside that this is impacting a, a number of people that you might not have a connection to, but it will slowly become part of your truth if we're not careful and part of your experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seemed like a great thing to to, to do. And um, yeah, it was really, really impressive. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> I uh, I wanted to. Uh, I'm sorry. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but okay. there's there's various things I wanted to touch on, and I know we're sort of got a limited amount of time. One of the things I noticed, uh, you, you guys have uh, a thing on Medium called Calling Verses, which looks to you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks to be a series of guest bloggers writing articles on topics like advertising, black masculinity, and trans pride. How did Verses come about? Was that was that an idea, a thing you always wanted to do from the start? Yeah. We came up with that idea in December, January time before launching. It was really important that we launched the business itself with that. Calling Verses is, yeah, a number of chapters that we release every every month. And lots of businesses that sit in our sector have, you know, everyone feels that they need to show up as some type of like media business and have some content that is of value. And usually that is some sort of white paper and has had a number of like research and stats. And we really think that that is incredibly valuable for our sector and for the brands that we're servicing. But calling verses is actually our way of doing that. But again, back to the calling way of doing it, it is slightly evolved in our opinion, which is we want to archive human experiences, human truths and 
we invite guests to share what their calling is and how they're fulfilling that and what their truth is. And the aim is that that gives anyone and everyone in our sector and beyond an insight on what it means to exist in a world like this today. And over time, those insights, those truths um, may continue to fuel the work that we do at Callim and the and you know how we work with brands. But I think in the first instance, it was a way of platforming those stories and those individuals so they could be heard and seen. So I guess it's our Callim Bible, obviously with the name. I'm sure, I hope people have picked up that, yes, we are an advertising agency. We're doing things differently and humanity sits at that. Spirituality sits at that. So hence why it's called Verses, Chapter and Verse. Okay. I was thinking, I, I, I guess I've you know, been in uh, the, the spoken word scene a little bit too long, maybe, but I was like, oh, is it like poems or whatever? It could be poems, maybe. Um, it can be exactly whatever that individual wants it to be is what it will be. So some of them have felt quite poetic and some of them have felt, you know, just personal essays, but we try not to control how that person shows up. But what we do guide is for them to make themselves visible and first in the writing. And that has been interesting because it's asking people to be vulnerable and share share themselves in ways that maybe they're not always invited in other sort of media platforms. Yeah, that, that, that sounds good. Um, I try to do a little bit of that with with Media Cat Magazine where I can. But yeah, um, <laughs> um, I wanted to to touch on lies. Actually, sort of obviously we're talking about truths, but how does uh, how do lies fit into all, all this? And um, I know it's a really big question, but yeah. why do you think everyone is lying more, particularly online? Um, is it is it just the pandemic? Is it is it Trump's fault? It's got probably Trump's fault, isn't it? <laughs> It's really interesting. So we're in a digital age and what that has given us is some incredible tools and opportunities to connect and tell stories. But some of those tools are then taken and used um, to adapt some truths. So, you know, when we look at AR, for example, even AI and things like deep fake, you know, it's really hard to distinguish what is real like and there is a a behavior which is that people's online personas are very different to their offline personas and people can have multiple online personas just because you can be across multiple channels and show up in different ways and look and feel in different ways and um there creates a gray area around um what is truthful and what is a lie because we have accepted these tools and these behaviors slowly they've crept into society and culture and there's always a way of seeing it and I think this then takes me into you know I always believe that perception is reality and if you perceive something to be real then that is true and that's that's such a heavy thing to even unpack and nuance but like if I, if I see something and I perceive that to be real because, you know, it looks so real online, then part of my human, my human brain is accepting that and recognizing that. And I guess the, the challenge is then how does that impact us long-term just around connection, you know, truthful connection and, and how we see people and how we see ourselves as well. 
Yeah, the con- the connection part is is really interesting when it comes to that, definitely. And yeah, I think the the pandemic has kind of accelerated some things in that regard, and maybe it has caused more people to lie. Um, but like you say, it's it's probably a we could probably talk about this for like days or weeks. It's, it's a huge <laughs> huge topic. But I th- I think where we then all where I think it needs to move on to because those tools are always going to be there. They're going to keep getting more sophisticated and more evolved and more accessible. Is that this age of transparency and empowering. So for me, it's being transparent that what you're seeing has been augmented by XYZ to create this. And that then empowers the audience to take that information and make a dis- make a more informed decision about what they're really experiencing and if they do still perceive it to be real or not or truth or lie. And I think it's this idea where when we don't have that transparency, we get into this wider conversation around power and control and who who has that power and who and who's controlling what and who from as a result of that. Yeah, I think transpar- the word transparency has cropped up a few times on the magazine in a couple of articles recently, um, pretty much every time anyone's written about uh, AI <laughs> at the moment, Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, is, is kind of an interesting one. Another another little segue, actually. So the last time we did a, a podcast, we talked about the uh, the fluid identity of Gen Z. I guess uh, I know we haven't got much time left, so just got a couple of questions around that. But with Gen Z, I I was curious. Like, are they? Uh, how do they? It feels like they almost put up with lies less than other generations before us. Perhaps millennials um, put up with lies less. Do, do they crave more transparency? I was reading a Ford, Forbes piece recently that said that they uh, they crave stability and trust. That feels a bit wrapped up in transparency as well, trust and transparency. Do you agree? And and how, how do you think sort of brands can go about giving it to them um, in, in this increasingly distrustful world? Yeah, I do agree. I think it's because they're the first generation that has been born into this digital age. And it's really fascinating the level of awareness and self-awareness that they have. Um, so their expectations of honesty and transparency, I think, is far greater than the generations that have come before. I think maybe the generations before have kind of accepted what is presented to them as whatever it might have been presented and not been as challenging to what is what is truthful, what's what's a lie, what's true, true, etc. Therefore, yeah, brands do have a lot of responsibility. I think Black Lives Matter was a great example where brands were being held accountable. I think brands are really conscious of that even more so and I think it's only just going to continue to be a requirement if brands are wanting to be a value have a valuable role in this generation's lives trust is a huge part of that safety is a really huge thing for this generation like do I feel safe can I trust you what go- what's going into my product who's making my product what do you care about it's it's really really important and I think it's then about brands coming back to one of my original points brands working out what is true for them what is their most authentic self and being comfortable with showing like the beauty of what they are as a brand because brands have shown up with a kind of veneer historically in advertising but also what isn't the most flattering parts of it but being really open and honest about what they're doing to better themselves it sounds like the um sounds a little bit like the the kind of evolution of brand purpose or um yeah. 
or the the moving on from all the kinds of washing, you know, purpose washing, green yeah. washing, all the washing. Yeah, um, I think yeah. you think that. Then I think this generation respect brands that go, "Hey, we haven't got our house in order. These are the things that we're really good at, and these are the things that we're not great at, but we're doing the work to do this." Because what that says more than anything is that we're not perfect, but we do have skin in the game and being better. Yeah, I think brands need to see themselves just as like human beings that are maybe on their own journey of evolving and getting to a place of authenticity so that they can have valuable roles in in society, in individual people's lives. And yeah. There's um one of the phrases that cropped up recently was uh, radical hon- honesty with yeah. brands, um, where it was a few of them in recent years have been using it as almost a get out of jail free card. They mess up. So they, they, they go for the radical honesty approach. So, you know, we're sorry, we messed up kind of thing. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> it's it's a thing. It's a sort of slight, slight trend. Apparently it feels better trying to, at least trying to be honest, even if, you know, it's done in a calculated way um, than, than not being honest. I don't know. <laughs> Messing I think, up. You know, like you say, it feels more human maybe. Yeah. And I think, um, because like when you look at the definition of lies is to make an untrue statement with an intent to deceive and to create false or misleading impressions. So the thing that I like, this is like a personal thing that I live by is like, what is your intention? So if your intentions were always to do good, then I think there's, there is room for you to, then we as individuals and consumers should see, have some compassion on how we look upon those brands, right? I think if there was intention to purposely mislead or deceive people, communities, whatever, then that's where, for me, it's about how does a brand start to like walk, uh, move towards atoning for what they've done, you know? So how do they amend the issues and the injuries that they've caused? And I think the radical honesty is the first step of that, but then the actions of atonement or to atone is what needs to follow. And that's why I talk about skin in the game. We saw a lot of like words of intention and I think we have to see um, actions. It feels like it comes back to transparency again, basically. Yeah. If you're transparent, then hopefully, well, unless you're transparent about doing bad, then then it's probably not going to help. And it's not going to help if you say, oh yeah, we, we, were, we were trying to do evil and it didn't work. So we're, we're sorry. We're like, well, you're still trying to do evil. But um, yeah, I guess if you were trying to do a good thing and you were transparent about it, and if it didn't work, and then you said, sorry, we messed up, it didn't work, then people do forgive you for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, because I think people know behind all these brands are human beings at the end of the day. And people understand that. Well, I hope people understand that. But um, that, that's why we talk about compassion and empathy. Well, we're, out, we're more or less out of time, so I just wanted to finish with a, a tiny upbeat note. I, I don't yeah. think the, the, I don't think the conversation was downbeat exactly, but obviously we were we were digging. <laughs> it's very sobering, I think. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Um, we were digging into things, so you know it was kind All of right. maybe, maybe maybe it was a bit a bit chunky conversation. But um, I wanted to finish with asking you uh, what uh, excites you about the year ahead, either for calling or for yourself. Um, have you got anything that's kind of getting you fired up? Well. Every day is a joy working at Callum because there is so much unknown because we're only six months old. So there's always something when something new and exciting arrives, you know, we're so we're so grateful for that. We are at the start of a journey, so we don't know where it's going to go. So that is just generally exciting for Josh and I, as well as very terrifying. But we've 
become, we're slowly becoming comfortable with that uncertainty. I think for us as a business, something that we're super excited about is that putting out some work because I think, you know, we, we've done the announcement and some people know who we are, some people don't know who we are. But um, our founding client, like I mentioned, is um, Dot Martins and we are the global lead creative agency for them. And we are putting some brand new work out this autumn as part of the repositioning work that we've been doing. And in that, we do look at some deep truths, you know, for this generation. We explore that and we've documented that. And we're so excited to put that out in the world because um, it's around one particular, you know, subject and the nuance of what that truth looks like for those individuals and those communities across the globe is so different and nuanced. And we're just so excited, A, to put the work out because it's always amazing to put out creative work as a creative business, or that's why we exist, but to hope that this generation feels seen in that, can connect to it, and it's empowering them to kind of continue to to live in the most truthful way. So that's something we're super excited about. Obviously, our new client wins, um, putting out more work with them. And just being on this journey, because we say that we're advertising with a higher calling, we help brands find their calling. So every single brand that we get to work with, we're on a journey with them to find their truth and share that with the world. But everyone that gets to work at Calling, we really want them to be you know finding and fulfilling their calling so for me and Josh is such an incredible thing just to see our team flourish and you know in a space where they can just show up and be their most authentic selves so lots of things to look forward to lots of things to be grateful for and excited about good stuff yeah sounds amazing I still I still got my dms in the cupboard somewhere uh you need I need to get to, them out I do I do they're, they're always that you know it's just it's hard to get them on and then once they're on they're not they're not coming off um so I just yeah. clump around in them um, they're, <laughs> we're all, they're all on that journey of like breaking in journey there's a whole kit that they give and all of us in the team you know have our dms now like yeah every week we're just slowly like updating each other and like I've got a bit of a crease in my boot and I've got I've got a sore sore toes or whatever but it's definitely worth it. So getting back on. Yeah, I need to figure out some some uh, yeah winter fashion tips for them. There, obviously, oh, yeah. winter shoes. Don't worry. Shoes. We'll have to get you in the studio and and yeah, <laughs> we'll share what the new collection looks like when it's out. Nice, nice, good stuff. Well, um, yeah, amazing conversation and um, yeah, sec- second second time on the pod. Hooray! Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, yeah, th- thanks for uh, coming on the Media Cat Magazine podcast.